standby passengers, see me at the podium of your city center. Non-Rev Lounge is a travel and aviation podcast. Monique, Laura, and Tyler are three friends that work for a major airline as gate agent, flight attendant, and ramp worker. During this podcast, they will discuss using their flight benefits to travel the world as well as talk about things that happen at work. They have guests on almost every week to share their travels and stories, leaving tips on the best places to travel or things to do. Enjoy. So welcome to the Non Nerve Lounge. We're really excited for this show. We're in Chicago. Can you believe it? It's finally here. Yeah, finally made it. Well, by so hook or by crook. <laughs> <laughs> Some of us made it a little easier than others, but we're all here. So we're really excited to be here. And we're going to have a few different guests in Chicago, but excited for our first guest. Um, we met our guest up in Anchorage last year. Was it last year? Or is it still this year? Yeah, it was last year. Was it last year? Yeah. And when it was freezing up there, and he was up there in shorts. <laughs> yeah. When I was there in my parka. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. So we met him up there. Our guest has had a few different from positions with his airline, and we're going to hear about some of those. Excited to hear about. So we're excited to have him on the show with us today. So welcome, Seb. Is yeah. that how you say, pronounce it, Seb? Seb. Seb. Yeah. It's um, short for Sebastian. But no, yeah, Seb. I'm super excited to be here and super excited to welcome you guys on what has been the warmest day in Chicago so far. So congrats for bringing all the warm weather with you guys. Whoop, whoop. Yeah, it's really Arizona. nice here. Could have yeah. picked a better weekend to come. We're lucky then, yeah. I was afraid we was going to be freezing. It will be next weekend, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> but we, we, we planned this. We said, hopefully March isn't too busy that people wouldn't come and visit because... People are going to want to leave here in March, but we got perfect. We got, yeah, more or less. Um, we had Nicole on with us last year, and you are engaged, Nicole. Yeah, we're uh, getting married in the late summer here in Chicago. So, yeah, I got to say, like, definitely listen to you guys every week as well. But for obvious reasons, I keep coming back to that one episode. Yeah, Nicole's a really interesting person, had a lot of great experiences, and yeah, I would say I'm probably the luckiest guy ever to be uh, um, flying with her every weekend. Oh, cool. that's great. That's cute. She was a great guest, too. True. She was, yes. Do you feel like that about Dave? Yeah, I do feel that about Dave. <laughs> I am lucky. I'm lucky. You like, got to think about it for a second. Okay, well, no. <laughs> she goes, who's Dave? <laughs> and today's our wedding anniversary. Today is the anniversary? It's today's the actual anniversary, and he came with us to, oh, to happy this, anniversary, so that's nice. Very well, cool. So how long have you been? Because you told me before you worked for the government before. I did. I was a foreign service officer with the State Department. I think so that's so cool. It, it was a really interesting way to, to spend your 20s. Yeah, I really enjoyed being able to, you know, live overseas and, uh, you know, kind of serve your country in a particularly interesting way, I would say, like, you know, where you're either working, you're, you're working at an embassy and um, doing anything from reporting on various political issues to helping American citizens who may be uh, in need of assistance overseas. So, like in prison. Occasionally. Yeah. Or, uh, or more mundane things like, I lost my passport and uh, you know I got to get back to uh, my job on Monday. So it was a good time. I uh, lived in Ethiopia for a couple of years, Brazil as well, uh, down in Sao Paulo. And yeah, after I decided to leave state, I uh, came to Chicago for my, for my MBA. I, got, I went to business school uh, up here in the Chicago area and was fortunate enough to start working for an airline right after that. So I've been doing that for close to four years. I had three very interesting and very different roles within my airline. So I started off in the network planning group on the domestic side. So I worked on a group called Current Schedules, which uh, works on finalizing the schedule before it heads out to cruise for bidding, both on the pilot and flight attendant sides. I had a one hub that I covered as well as geographic area around that hub and basically did all the fine-tuning scheduling so after after current schedules, I moved to the premium services group, which is the club and lounge group within my airline, and worked on personnel strategies. So working to kind of set up the scheduling for uh, premium services agents working in club and lounge and you know higher tier frequent flyer groups, and that was a really interesting place to work. I had about four months under my belt before. March 2020. So pandemic hit, we all went home, started working from here to kind of keep things going in the midst of the pandemic. And about midway through 2020, I uh, got the opportunity to move over to the uh, technical operations side. So now I work on the tech ops strategic planning group, which 
sets up the heavy planning, the heavy maintenance planning schedule for all of our aircraft uh, up to a few years out in advance. Do you, do you only do the, the two aisle aircraft for your job or so, do you do single aisle too? So my, I have two fleets within my portfolio and one's kind of like the oldest, uh, some of the oldest aircraft we have and some are uh, the newest and probably like an 80-20 split in terms of who keeps me busy. I say who because, you know, you really develop some interesting like personal relationships with individual aircraft in this role, uh, which I really enjoy. You know, I know which aircraft are kind of like my problem children and which ones are kind of my, my uh, set and forget babies. <laughs> Do you nickname them? Because like, at America West, we had a 747 that we called Christine because she broke down all the time. Like from the Stephen <laughs> yeah, King? Yeah, the Stephen King novel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, haven't quite gotten that far but uh i mean where's christine today yeah yeah (laughs) i kind of just think of them uh, by their uh by their uh nose wheel number basically and you know i have my my particular aircraft that like one thing about my role is i don't get too much out into the system but whenever i do like end up flying i'll always see a particular plane that you know has had it it's coming in for a heavy check soon or you know coming out or could use a fresh coat of paint and be like what's up buddy it's good to see you yeah well uh your favorites yeah well uh pick this up again in a couple of weeks when uh, we see each other again. So now are you a member now of your airlines club? Um, I, I guess I am now through Nick's uh, Nick opened up the, the club credit card uh, yeah. when we first, well, when I first started working for my airline and I did get a membership to the club when I was there and did also have the opportunity to audit clubs while I was there wow. which was cool. which was interesting you know yeah. you're kind of um you know going through them and making sure that they're up to the uh you know specification that we're hoping that you the know the standards uh, of your airline yeah, precisely yeah. so when you were doing the job of course they wanted you to go to it but then afterwards you now you're still a member because like after you've been in the club how can you give that up yeah like, yeah I was telling him a couple weeks ago I said I wanted that but my dream job would be to fly around and criticize uh, flight attendants. attendants. <laughs> but now to go around and like look at the club, like just go from club to club. I was like, to get paid just to do that sounds like the dream job for to me. To be auditor. Yeah, just to go to the clubs and write down, you did this good and this bad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if that was a full-time position, I'd be all over it. Yeah, that was that was a small but like, you know, significant, like nice little yeah, side yeah. bit of, of my role. One nice thing is that you do kind of go through the system and kind of start developing your list of what your favorite clubs for your particular airline are. And uh, I would say that on, on our end, I really like the DCA club that we have. Interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah, it, yeah. DCA is just a really interesting airport in my mind. It's and, a beautiful airport anyway. Oh, I love it. Yeah. yeah. The architecture, just the proximity to the city and the convenience that it has. And we're fortunate enough to have our club in one of the older kind of like art deco element buildings within the uh you know kind of like the older side of that airport kind of the yeah it's just it's beautiful inside That's strong so cool. recommend well you're kind of a people person and she said you like that part of that job is you loved m- it the route planning you're kind of like on a computer playing chess right you be that yeah and then uh, and now you're kind of doing you're working from home most of the time but you with the club, you enjoyed that. Is that right? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, that's that's the one role that I've had of the three that was most in the operation. I would say, and you know, being able to go out to a you know particular uh, to another hub or a line station just to kind of like speak with our premium services agents out in the field and kind of get a finger on the pulse of like what would drive our decisions back in the corporate world was was fantastic very cool i loved it okay and with our airline we have clubs but we have different levels so sometimes there's a higher level of a club and so does your airline do that yeah or they all oh you do okay yeah we do so it's a industry standard obviously it is or at least it's uh you know increasingly one so didn't get a chance to audit one of those a pandemic hit before uh you know had the opportunity to do that did do some work within that within that area but march 2020 it uh kind of put the brakes on a whole lot of things because the different levels like there's just the normal club you kind of go in you get snacks but like the higher level you get like a full meal uh-huh yeah. oh yeah yeah and showers and well, they have the showers reg- the regular club can get showers i think though depends on the club depending on the, yeah. which one yeah our showers are all still closed uh-huh. So I have mailed it. Yeah. Still. So I'm hoping the openers. When I fly on our, our first class, like uh, yesterday, I flew San Francisco to New York, and they let those people go in the the top club, and I'm hoping that I can find someone that doesn't see that I'm an honor of and lets me in. 
because I always go and try to get in. And then, oh no, you not with this ticket. You can't. <laughs> oh. But they said you they'll sell us day passes for oh, to go a up lot to the- a lot of money for that. So he goes like, if you're gonna spend the whole day there and just binge all day on food, kind of depends. Yeah, yeah, I would I would definitely echo Nick's tip on her previous episode. Get a associated club card for your airline if you're not if you have access to non-revving um you know you will spend a day at an airport might as well be in the nicest place i was upset last night when i didn't get to go to the one in chicago because i got in late because i would have been four clubs in one day (laughs) dang (laughs) three airports but oh well hitting for the cycle yeah (laughs) so i've got a question so i know in lax our airline has quite a presence with their premium service because of different celebrities different things like that yeah absolutely does your airline have a big presence in a particular airport or is it do they have a presence like that kind of i mean that's a that's a good question it definitely um because when i was flying out of la the other day i saw uh like they're they have like a special check-in door like they don't even have to go through like regular people check-ins they have like their own check-in line they can so all of our hubs have those okay oh (laughs) no no i I just honestly i'm just curious that's it yeah because i think celebrities are so fascinating so i'm always like trying to Put it, if, put if, it, you got, if you got money, you can do almost anything. Put it, put no, it yeah, yeah, it's not even just the celebrities. Yeah, if you They'll have take enough care money of you, for yeah. me, yeah. yeah, I will never be royal. <laughs> <laughs> put it this way: I know, I know, LAX had that kind of setup pre-pandemic. I just don't know what exists right now. Yeah, but you see, they'll even. Um, have a those really nice cars they'll take them from the Cadillac service or yeah whatever, from like yeah. tail to tail oh, see. Oh, there's wow. certain airlines will do that for the, their passengers yeah you're, you're talking about something that I definitely missed out on first my first month in my premium services role I uh, had to go down to another one of our hubs for training and I decided that my time was best spent learning the computer systems that our premium services agents work on probably the right call the other individual who went with me got to drive around the tarmac in a uh, Mercedes for a couple of hours, and then we went back because the those were the you know the systems that we were working that our agents work on, uh, pretty pretty interesting, and you know takes a bit of time to figure them out. So yeah, and you're such um, an av geek, you would have enjoyed that driving around on the tarmac. Yeah, they'd have had to uh, hit the child lock so that I wouldn't <laughs> run out around the tarmac. <laughs> you have to have that vest on. You have yeah. to have the yellow vest. Oh, for sure. Oh, that we did have. But you could feel the jet blast. We're so close. Yeah, or go hug a plane. <laughs> so let's go around and each tell craziest or, or biggest day trip we've, we've been on. Should we go by seniority? Sure, I'll go first. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've probably shared that before, but it's kind of crazy. A couple times I did day trips to Hawaii. So we'd fly from Phoenix over there. Ding, 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 ding. You, you winner. Go, go to the beach for a couple hours and then get on the flight back the night. Grab dinner. And Is that when you showered on the beach? Yeah, we had to clean off before. Go back to the Which airport. Time? <laughs> well, that's, yeah, After time, shower. I put on Facebook. I was like looking for hotels by the hour just to get cleaned <laughs> up. <laughs> yeah. The best capsule hotels in Hawaii. Yeah. Well, Quick question for the group. Do you guys like day trips or is this something that you kind of like do when the opportunity arises rather than something that you kind of search out? Well, economically, they're they're great and they're they're still fun. They're fun. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. I like if someone else already plans it for me too. That's even better. Doesn't hurt. Yeah. In, in the summer in Phoenix, it's so nice to get out. Mm-hmm. It's so hot. It just, uh, now that I have kids, it's harder. It's just yeah. hard to have that free time. But when I could just go to San Francisco and when the flights work out, I just be able to get out of the heat for the day and just go have chowder. Or for me, watch airplanes. I mean, that's what I sure. enjoy. So that's, it's, I don't have anything too crazy, but uh, it's just, they're nice just to leave. And sometimes that's why even I feel like our schedule, they don't have, it doesn't work out. They don't, the, like, see, I used to love Seattle, but right now the plane that goes up to Seattle for us, it gets the same one that comes back. So you, you have to spend the night. And so I just want to talk to the route plenty of people like, don't you think about non-routes when you do these? <laughs> <laughs> well, and our flying in Phoenix has diminished since COVID. So. Yeah, it's been changing. Yeah. So, Well, it is hard if in Phoenix do, doing day trips. If you go east, you lose so much time. Mm-hmm. That's the tricky part for getting, sure. Yeah, getting there, yeah, you feel like you don't have any time. But if you can do a, a, a red eye to like New York from the West Coast, spend the day and then not have to get a hotel room because they're crazy expensive and then fly back that night, that could be fun. It's, I don't know if that's considered a day trip because it's... I'd say that works. So you, yeah. so you take yeah. a red yeah. eye out. Yeah, and then back then. So like yeah. we did Florida a couple times like that. Yeah, color. yeah. actually would be. Because, I mean, one way or another, you're probably spending, what, like nine, ten hours on the ground yeah. before you're making yeah. your way back. 
And if you get the lie flat seat coming back. Even better. Boom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No hotel. When I did, uh, when I opened up JFK, the station, um, I met a really nice girl that was a trainee there. And she said, I want to come to Phoenix and, you know, see everything. Wait, in Phoenix. You opened JFK? Yeah, for AmeriQuest the Airlines. Not the president. No, no, no. Thank <laughs> no. you. JFK, no, the airport. Okay. Whoa. When AmeriQuest first started there. Okay. Yeah, I, I lived there for a month. It was awesome. That nice. is. That I lived in Jamaica. Cool. That's an area, not the country. Okay, got it. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so she came to Phoenix and Dave and I were just newlyweds and we had a little apartment and she stayed with us and I took her on a day trip to, because she had, you know, benefits and we flew to the Grand Canyon because back then we flew to Haviland Dash 8 up to the Grand Canyon and it sits for like 20, 30 minutes and then it flies right. right back and it was free drinks all the way up there, all the way back. So we went and had happy hour. I brought snacks and we had happy hour and then it flies around the Grand Canyon. It's not like the Grand Canyon tour, but you got to see, she got to see the Grand Canyon yeah. and then we flew back. It was well, great. It was fun. Yeah. And you got drinks out of it. And got drinks. It's pretty you nice. You asked the pilot if he can do a little detour. and Yeah, we asked yeah. him to dip the wings. <laughs> <laughs> I once took a U.S. Airways flight going from DCA to Boston and, uh, you know, as you... Uh, the shuttle. Yeah, the shuttle. And as you're, as you're going up north, you know, you're passing New York City um, on, you know, more or less either side, but like, you know, usually the left side going north, you're getting a great view of uh manhattan so pilot chimes in says like you know ladies and gentlemen over to your left side you have you know a pristine view of manhattan those of you to your right long island (laughs) (laughs) so i mean i i love day trips i think that you know what i like about them is that they are more more often than not trips that you would never take if you didn't have you know the ability to non-rev. So, you know, as I said earlier, I lived in Brazil for a couple of years in Sao Paulo. And one of the nice things about the way that flights from the US to Brazil are set up is that the uh, they're always red eyes, usually going both ways. So the aircraft leaves the US in the evening, gets to uh, Sao Paulo or Rio in the morning the next day. And, uh, you know, because of the way the market is set up, the aircraft will sit at the airport for the 10, 11 hours and then turn back to the U.S. as another red eye. It's just the best way to schedule, or the most commercially advantageous way to schedule those, I guess. So it's a great setup because you can fly down to Brazil on a Friday evening, get there Saturday morning, take a car into the city. You've got enough time for a late breakfast and walk around in Sao Paulo for the day and uh, then you know, take the flight back from GRU to uh, to wherever you're going. That's a good day trip. That it's is a, a great, it's a great one. one. And <laughs> I, you know, if you have the ability, highly recommend it. Having lived there, I kind of have like my favorite breakfast spot or place to grab a drink still. So I uh, one time went down to Sao Paulo on a Friday evening, managed to sit up front and got there the next morning. And, you know, I could tell that I wasn't the only non-rev on the plane. There was a group of uh, three others that they uh, didn't know what they were going to do that day. Like it was... It it was plainly obvious that like they had no idea and figured like oh, okay i can split this uber four ways um yeah. so i have my day set up and i walk up to them and say like well i used to live here and i kind of have a itinerary but it's a pretty good one so if you guys want to come into town like we can make a day of it and they didn't speak a word of portuguese and jumped on that immediately you know oh, fortunately, for sure like, yeah, yeah. So uh, we all hop in and, you know, my perfect day in Sao Paulo is uh, go from Guarulhos, the, uh, the airport, to uh, Sao Paulo Art Museum, Maspi. So you, uh, you kind of get off there, which is at the top of a hill um, that straddles, like, where the main kind of, like, commercial street straddles, uh, straddles that hill, Avenida Paulista. And I used to live at the base of that hill, so in no way, shape, or form do I want to get dropped off at my old apartment and then start walking up. uh, Yeah, I'll get dropped off at Mosby and walk my way down there. So you go down to this area called Jardines and uh, had my uh, breakfast spot set up, got my uh, cafezinho, and then walked over to Ibirapuera, I guess the Central Park version of that Sao Paulo's got. And uh, yeah, make a day out of like, you know, just like people watching there. And there's a great hotel kind of like on the west side of that park called uh, Uniki, like Unique Hotel. And uh, once the uh, rooftop bar opens, uh, like four o'clock, five o'clock, get a Kaiperinia and get the best view of the city from there. Have a couple of Kaiperinias, get back to Guarulhos and uh, make your way uh, back to the U.S. So yeah, it's a, it's a solid day. 
that particular day, um, we were, our flight was wide open coming down, and it was pretty tight coming back. So I made the rookie mistake of flying to Newark instead of back to O'Hare. And Newark is a terrible place to try and <laughs> make it back to anywhere if you don't have a ticket. <laughs> Had to uh, kind of scramble a little bit. Like my the one flight to Chicago that I was looking at had uh, over 80 non-revs on the list and yeah at the time i'd been working there for three months so uh, didn't didn't look too good because it goes by seniority yeah yeah it's it's a little different for us it it goes by seniority instead of uh checking three months is nothing so i mean really he could be there all day could have been yeah had to get pretty creative and went over to start looking at you know what other cities in the midwest i could potentially get to and kind of like get another flight to Chicago from got on the list for a flight to St. Louis. And I thought I was looking pretty good. And then like three other guys who like I worked with in my department came off another flight from Europe and they were just like, Ooh, too bad. So sad. Um, <laughs> and uh, I mean, that's uh, all, all's fair and uh, love and non-revving, right? Yeah. Like, um, got lucky, flew to Dayton, cute airport and uh, made it back to Chicago from there. Those guys wound up getting stuck in St. Louis. I found out on Monday. So oh. <laughs> You know, all's fair. <laughs> all's fair. <laughs> that is. So if there wasn't first class seats going, would you still have went? <sighs> no. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> how long is that flight? Uh, it's what, long? about 10 hours? Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's the thing, right? Like, you can definitely do it, but to what, at, at what point do you start feeling like you're kind of like shortchanging your weekend by like, yeah. you know, sitting in the back of a 777 that you otherwise didn't need to do you know i mean and like that sounds i like i mean that sounds sounds a little pretentious right but at the same time like i feel like our non-rev ability gives us the opportunity to be a little selective in the trips that we take so like is it is a day trip like to brazil something i do every day and definitely not do i feel like i can wait until things look relatively good to do it in comfort because the, you know, the way that, uh, that the red eyes are set up, you're, you're trading a night on a plane for a hotel night, which yeah. is, you know, both, both economical and, um, you know, something that you like would otherwise not do if you could maintain, you know, a sense of comfort. Right. That's what Monique and I were in Miami going to Chile cause I'd never been. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we were planning on sleeping on the way down. We it wasn't a day trip though. It was like a two days, right? Yeah. And when we didn't get it, we bagged the whole trip. Yeah. And like we um, were already halfway there because we already flown. So we said, if we're not going to get good seats, we'll do it another time. Yeah. We still have it. But but it, it's. Well, do you remember the agent was like, I've got you guys exit row seats in the back. Like she's trying to. And we're like, no, like that's. It, we don't get to lay down in the exit <laughs> right, row. Right, right. I not mean, selling it. Yeah. And I, I know where you guys are coming from. Nick and I will definitely call an audible sometimes if we feel like, you know, the ambitious plan that we had to you know do something while sitting up front you know fails to materialize yeah i mean it'll always be there right because if you get the ground rested right yeah but but uh you can hit the ground rested you can go see brazil or wherever you're at a lot easier yeah than you could if you're what did like the customs people in brazil say when they asked like where are you staying and you were like i'm not oh that's a good question (laughs) Uh, yeah because i feel like that would kind of perplex them a little bit to be like he flew down just to fly back tonight. You know, I've had that runner. issue happen. Runner. He's a runner. <laughs> yeah. I've had that issue happen a lot more often with U.S. Customs and Border Protection agents. Oh, really? Yeah. Than the foreign you know, ones? Yeah. Well, because they're you're, like, oh, you were only there for well, that kind of thing? Or? It's, it's honestly the lack of luggage that trips oh. them up. You know, they, uh, they uh, you, you're coming back. You just have your backpack because you want to be as mobile as you can. And just like, what's up? You're leaving your bags here? I'm like, no, <laughs> no, no, no. I, uh, you know, I uh, was there for a day. They're like, what? This doesn't make any sense. And, yeah. You know, they're just like, whatever, like, welcome. <laughs> and so you missed that diplomatic status that you used to have when you were a U.S. diplomat. <laughs> well. and, and I do want to point out that they taught him Portuguese. It, whenever they, they would go to their region, they, the U.S. government would teach them the language. But in yeah. short, in a short time. And what was the other language you learned? Amharic when I went to Ethiopia. Amharic. 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 Yeah. Oh, very cool. Semitic language. Same family as uh, Arabic and Hebrew. It's not an alphabet. It's technically a syllabary, and it has 231 characters. And it was crazy fun to learn. Yeah. I'm looking at Monique, and yeah. (laughs) Okay, so I did take Hebrew when I was in college. Mm -hmm. It was a five-unit language. 
I failed. And I'm really good with languages, but most of the people in my class were Jewish and they had learned it as children and mm-hmm. they were just taking it for the easy A. So and there and, was you. <laughs> yeah, and in college, they, they grade on a curve. So it doesn't matter how much I learned, I was always going to be last. No. So yeah. not to be deterred, I took it the second year and got another five units of F. So oh. 10 oh, units of yeah. F. <laughs> yeah. Well, if it makes you feel any better, three out of the four of us in my language class failed our heart test. So. Okay, three out of four. Yeah. Makes um, you feel better. I actually does. <laughs> I hate to say someone's failure makes yeah, me we feel got better. It. Yeah, yeah. Uh, got it the second go around, but woof. What a what, yeah. a, what a trip. <laughs> it makes me wish we had Brazil. That's nonstop out of Phoenix for us. Me too. So we could do that. I mean, because we could still. All right. So let's talk about our 747 trips because I haven't been on one. So, so we're just going to talk about it to make you feel bad. Yeah, make you feel bad. So let's go around and tell your favorite 747 memory. I want to see if you can tell the one that I know, but you've never told this. You story. know what? I am going to tell that story because this last week I just flew with this uh, friend of mine. Her name is Kim Eisenberg. And she's been at the airline as long as I have. And we were during the briefing, we're all talking. And I said, Kim, do you remember that time on the 747 when you were working the upper deck? So she got stuck on the upper deck all the time. Was and, that a bad place to be? Well, there were a lot of seats. I think there were 16 and it was a business class service. So there was a lot of work and you were by yourself up there. Aww. Which in a way is great, but so in you a way do your own thing. Uh huh. Okay. In a way is daunting. Well, in order to get everything up to the upper deck, there's an elevator that goes from you know all the way up, and it brings the beverage carts. Kind of like a dumb waiter. Exactly, and it comes up and it goes ding to let the flight attendant up there know the cart is in, is there ready for you. And then she goes over and opens up the door and pulls the cart out, positions it, sends the elevator back down. Oh. Then they can put another cart in there, a food cart, whatever, and bring it back up. So we were down on the bottom sending the food carts up and I just love Kim. So I jumped in that elevator instead of the cart and I hid <laughs> in there with my little body. I just smashed it down in there. And then it went and he says, ding. So I'm sitting there waiting. I'm ready. I'm ready to get Kim. I'm going to scare the <laughs> heck out of her. So I'm standing there. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I'm all crunched down. Pretty soon, she's not coming. She's not coming. Sweat starts pouring oh, and down. And you're just stuck in there now. And I'm stuck in there. And I can feel the sweat down oh, the, no. the back of my, on my spine going down. You know, my nice clean uniform. I'm like, oh, when Are is you she claustrophobic? Gonna... No. Oh, see, I've so, been panicking. Oh, my gosh. And finally, she comes over. I can hear her walking over. She opens it up. I go, ah! And she goes, ah! And starts crying. And I start laughing so hard. I'm crying. And she's and she's like, ah! She's still shaking. And then, but she was a really good sport about it. And she didn't get angry. So I reminded her of that when I flew with her last week. I go, remember what a good sport you were? And I go, you didn't get angry at all. And she goes, well, I don't think I would get angry. She goes, but. Um, she was I would like to tell you I remember that, but I don't remember. She didn't remember. How can you not it was, remember? It was so traumatizing. She shut that down. <laughs> <laughs> that was probably it. She played Peter Pan's and had good change. Was like, oh, never exactly. talk about this again. Well, I mean, I only flew in it once. I just that counts. That'll work. I was fourteen and going to. We flew to New Zealand, and with a big school group. And I remember just looking at the window being like, it's so big, it's got a hump. <laughs> Were you too scared to like run around and take a look at it? Like, because you're so young? Probably. Well, and I remember I was seated next to a kid I didn't really like. And then in front of us, this couple just made out the whole time. <laughs> for like, what, are, like 13, 14 hours, whatever that whole flight is. <laughs> From like yeah. honeymooners, I don't know. Like, were they thirteen, fourteen, like you, or were they? Like, no, they were older. They oh, weren't okay. in our group. They were in the <laughs> school group. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't even know it was that until I talked to Tyler later on. He was like, "That was a seven forty-seven." Yeah, because like, oh, yeah, before cool. the three eighty, what about so? Maybe it was because they were on a seven forty-seven. They just didn't care. They want to make out. It. Yeah, <laughs> kind of brings out the. You're like, this is hot. Brings out the most extreme in <laughs> people. For myself, so my first seven forty-seven experience was in nineteen ninety-nine. I was a fifth grader flew to Spain with a school group on Iberia. Um, don't, the only thing I remember is Iberia had a pretty wild disco station, you know, back when they kind of like played on a loop. Um, listen to that for about like five hours, oh. which, uh, oh man, a lot of ABBA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that was, uh, that was fun. You kind of like just, you know, you've never seen anything so wide or so tall, you know, when you're in the cabin. But, uh, my most recent experience was uh, was great because it was uh, it was a Z experience on Lufthansa and um, oh did you hear that Tyler I know and uh, got the uh, I know I um, I'm, I'm not saying that uh, you know kind of rub it in I Tyler am. I yeah <laughs> um, wait till you hear where he said yeah um, well on that one I did get on the upper deck I did get to sit on the upper deck um, which was uh, 
revelatory. It's like, oh man, I can't recommend it enough if you get the opportunity. It was a Zed fair, so price was right. You know, it's it's great to kind of, it just feels like such a cheat code, right? You know, like to be able to do that. And uh, we obviously get like, you know, the highest possible priorities with our respective air, airlines. But, you know, when you do a little bit of extra research to kind of see what else is open to you on a Zed basis, it's just so good. Like, you know, your chances of not just like getting stuck at Reduce, but your chances of saving time and making, building out itineraries that would have been impossible otherwise are are really interesting. And that's great because some people just don't go beyond that, Zed, when they work for an airline that's as large as yours and as large as ours. Yeah. And we got like that Jake's on a plane. He That's all he does is Zed. Yeah. yeah, for sure. You know, it's almost like a separate, you know, kind of stream that people jump into, you know, and kind of like do their own thing that way. I gain nothing by telling people this, but research your Zed options. Yeah. Well, I'm going to have to Zed because my thing I want to do this year is the A380. Okay. Why they still have them. Yeah, for sure. hundred percent. China Air, Tyler, who's still running those? Emirates, Qantas. Emirates, that's right. Emirates. Airways. Southern have them? Or? They, they, they just announced they're retiring them. They're, mm. They only had five and they're going to be gone. But and that is a really good tip. That's a great tip. That I feel like in the last couple of years, especially for me, I've kind of started, even with this podcast, Rachel told us about the, the app, the Staff Traveler, where you can find yeah. out loads for anywhere. So you can find out if their seat's open. And then I think I was so cheap that I, I was one of those that was never, it was like my own airline, I'll take three long flights to get me to my destination rather than using a Z to try to do airline or, or more direct or for sure. Yeah. And, and so, but now it's like, if you, if you actually price it out, it's not that bad a lot of times. And yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and just the time savings as well. Like I had one time where I was I met my mom and brother and sister down in Mexico city. And uh, a few days later, uh, Nicole wanted to go to Bulgaria for her birthday. And all right, that sounds, I mean, I'm all over that, but how do you get from Mexico to Bulgaria quickly? You know, I was looking at, maybe going back through the States on my airline and kind of like, you know, zetting once I got to yeah. Europe. But I went, I wound up saving probably like 36 hours by kind of like finding, uh, you know, the opportunity to take Lufthansa. I was like, all right, this is like $230, but first day, 340, 600 flight, cool. uh, you know, straight to Munich. Um, and you, like you said, you saved 30 something hours. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Okay. So well, how did you fly? You fought from Mexico city, right? To So Mexico city to Munich. And from there, before going to Sofia in Bulgaria, I went to Belgrade to uh, visit a uh, foreign service foreign service friend of mine stationed there. And see, this is this is where uh, the story gets really good. I got the opportunity to sit in the cockpit jump seat on that flight, <gasps> which was phenomenal. Oh, uh, loved it, loved every second of it. Yeah, I uh, I had heard from someone who I worked with about how you know like it's pretty tricky to do uh, in. The United States, but depending on you know your role within an airline, you know you might have the opportunity to do it if you ask the captain when you're overseas. So I figured, like, all right, um, this is a two-hour flight to Belgrade. If that, sure, I'll you know ask the gate agent politely and uh, see if it's all right with the captain. And uh, worked out worked out just fine. You know, kind of so got cool. in the jump seat, got a cool. yeah. It's also another way to jump the standby list, you know, because I gambled that I might, you know, it was a pretty sold out flight, but I figured uh, maybe I'm the, uh, you know, no one else is asking to do this. So it's an extra seat on the plane that I wouldn't have access to in the US. Yeah, it worked out in the best possible way. Oh, he just smoked all of us just like that with that story. So it was the whole flight you were up there? Yeah, yeah, no, I got in the jump seat, wow. you know. Um, do you strap, they show you how to strap in? They did. And uh, I guess I beat him to the punch on... Uh, plugging the headset in because they turned back at one point they're like okay so this is how you oh okay all right never mind um and uh yeah i was like oh i'll let you guys do your thing i will be very very quiet until we get above to cruising altitude and you know um because i know that you know it's a pretty sterile cockpit or not pretty it's a sterile cockpit until you get to a certain yeah. altitude what does but, that mean a sterile cockpit? so you're talking about nothing but the operation of the aircraft basically yeah, yeah. so Safe. up to ten thousand. Yeah, I think that's what, yeah, but, you know, once, once we got to that point, we kind of started kind of talking about, you know, what we did. One of them was actually an ex-U.S. Navy pilot, so flew P-3s and was now kind of flying for Lufthansa because his wife was German. Sounded like he had things pretty, pretty figured out. How did, how did Nicole take that story when she heard it? Uh, a little jealous, um, (laughs) wish she, uh, 
yeah um but happy for you but jealous happy but jealous yeah um you know she uh she had two by the time that uh that i got there she had an extra 747 flight up front under her belt so uh fair trade that's a that's a cool experience and then belgrade sofia on like a bulgaria air like atr 72 which was you know I think oh, almost as fun. Brittany said that on their or her airline, they will let you. It's a possibility. They'll let, it is a possibility. Uh, yeah, employees of other airlines. It doesn't. D- didn't Doug on Next Trip podcast? Didn't he fly up there? I think as a child. Maybe. I they, think he they, flew up there. Yeah, they've talked about it there on them too. But uh, so on Brittany's, can you do flight deck jump or is it cabin jump? I think it's in flight deck. Oh wow! We'll have to ask her. The the, the, the okay. captains have to approve it. I mean, but it's not like in the states. It's it's. And no one gets to like it's not even flight attendants it used to be when we were hired yeah it was mandatory that we rode up there for a flight so you had an inkling of what was happening up there because during landing it's so fabulous oh that was that was the most interesting part part for sure you know Mm -hmm. the way that they kind of like line things up and just the various like chimes you hear in the cockpit that are totally you know what you're uh, it was just like a completely different world, you know, to to be exposed to for a little bit. Yeah. So ask nicely. It's yeah. well worth it. And we don't do that any longer. Yeah. The new hires don't get up there. The only way you get up there is maybe on a ferry flight. Okay. They leave the flight deck open. You can go up oh, and okay. sit down. The other day we had a ferry flight and I was the only one that went up there and sat in there in the flight deck. So I got to sit in the flight deck both ways because nobody else wanted to. I'm like, yeah, I'll do it. Cool. Yeah, for sure. Best office view I've ever, I could ever think of. Absolutely. The night landing is even better. Oh really? The lights. Yeah, but that is really pretty. When you got a Z in first, did was that part of your agreement, or did you pull a little some special? Oh, that's, uh, that's he wants to hear something special, so he can do it. That's <laughs> part of part of uh, yeah. That's just the agreement that um, yeah. our airline has. I know, I know. It's uh, depends depends on the airline, right? You know, yeah. it's like a bunch of bilateral agreements. Like, yeah, be, working in a Z agreements office must be really interesting. It's like its own little mini State Department. You know, just <laughs> absolutely bilateral. Like, you know, like I'll give you this if you give me a little little J fare in return. <laughs> um, when he just goes up and licks their lips and sees what happens. Love a list. Can I get a window? <laughs> you know, I do believe that gifts have to help. You know. Gifties have to help when you gift the gate agent, you know. I would think so. At least can't it keeps hurt. it in your mind. You go, yeah. oh, I remember that name. They gave me candy. You can't it, hurt. it can't hurt. Yeah, exactly. can't hurt. I haven't had success in that big of upgrade, but it's always, they're always nicer. They're always people. But I did get a cabin upgrade that I wasn't entitled to with Delta once. So Did you give the gift thing? I didn't. They were just really nice about it. You know, they, uh, you know, gave me my seat assignment. Ten minutes later, they called me back to the podium and were like, here you go. I was like, all right, great. I bow to you. I bow to you. Yeah, Thank sure, you. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, I can. We're just like, play cool, play cool. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just yeah, get, just, get, cool. just get on the plane. <laughs> okay, so destination experiences we loved and why we loved them along with any tips or things that we learned about the experience. A few years ago, Nick and I got the opportunity to uh, go out to Southeast Asia and, you know, we were visiting some State Department friends and uh, we fell in love with Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. It was a phenomenal city to visit see i love hearing this because i have like not no kind of experience with yeah. asia other than japan the trip was in large part to see to see friends but all, like once we once we got to that city, you know it has it has a lot going for it in terms of like culture i think kuala lumpur seems like a really seemed like a cultural crossroads you know has a lot of you know southeast asian influence chinese influence uh, it's a majority muslim country that's that all isn't that what a mix yeah, yeah. And it's it's very like developed as well. But it, we went to Singapore right after, and we enjoyed it. But we just came away feeling like Kuala Lumpur has a lot of character to it. The thing that we remember and really enjoyed was uh, there was this bar. I think it's literally called like Helicopter Bar or Helipad Bar, and it is an actual helipad during the day. You know, on one of these Kuala Lumpur high rises after. A certain hour it converts to a bar and you know you just kind of go to the top of this building and you're out on the pad basically and enjoying your drink and you have an uninterrupted view of the city and you know it's a few blocks away from the petronas towers you know which are you know those two like twin towers that you know go like what like 1300 feet higher maybe more like 
no, it's higher than Sears Tower, so more. But you're up top seeing the whole view. Yeah, yeah, you're, you know, That's like cool. you're, it's open air, you know, like it's literally like you're standing on a helipad with a drink in your hand. Um, but that'd be a little scary, though. Know? Uh, just I, stand in the center. <laughs> yeah. You're good to For go. For heights, I don't yeah. think Yeah, but uh, Malaysia's one country that we would love to go back to, um, maybe explore a little bit more. I've heard great things about the beaches as well. And the the flight from Kuala Lumpur to Singapore is pretty neat because, you know, it's, it's less than an hour long, but you kind of see like the coastline the whole time. So you're like literally like flying down the Straits of Malacca. So it's a uh, beach on one side and like every cargo ship you can ever imagine on the other side. <laughs> we love the hell out of it. Um, Kuala Lumpur, strong recommend. What time of year did you go in? Is that a good time or what did you see? It was February and March. So right around this time, maybe like, you know, four years ago. Great time to go. At least if you're in Chicago, like any (laughs) place in February is, is, yeah, yeah. South of, south of where we are is going to be better. And so you said that there's beaches. Did you do the beaches or that? No, we didn't. So Kuala Lumpur isn't a beach city, but I, I know that, you know, like I've just heard good things about, uh, about Malaysian beaches. Um, Reason to go back. That's what, like, Laura, I've never been and, and don't know much about it, but uh, very cool. It sounds like it's got a lot to see and do there. Yeah. Cool airport, too. I mean, you know, like like a lot of, um, you know, major hub airports in Asia are, you know, like, kind of like a destination unto themselves. Hong Kong. Hong Kong was a wild airport. Like, yeah, I would I would love to go back to there, too. Just go on H- Tom Hanks there for a couple couple days. It'd be bigger than my apartment. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so when your fiance Nicole was on with us, she talked about an embarrassing story. Do you have one you want to share with us? Yeah, sure. Uh, Nicole's was a Brazil story, and mine is as well, actually. So I'm, I'm actually going to take from the you know day trip story as well. So that evening, as I was freaking out about like, oh God, like I can't get back to O'Hare, I got to fly to Newark. <laughs> you know, the one other thing is I, uh, you Be know, honest. I, I dress for comfort, and you know, it's pretty. It was pretty warm in Sao Paulo that day, so I, you know, wore some shorts that may or may not have been regulation according to our non-rev dress code. Um, <laughs> I thought that uh, it's borderline, but I'm not going to argue with a customer service agent who tells me otherwise. You mean because they were like real short, or yeah, because they were too short. Okay. Whoops. Uh, yeah, no, <laughs> escondolo. <laughs> yeah, I, being a day trip, I didn't have a change of clothes. I, I kind of like the customer service agent is like, you can't fly dress like that. And I'm looking around and thinking like, like, don't leave me here. You can't leave me here. He said like, you know, like, oh, just try and hike them down as best as you can. So, you know, (laughs) walk like a penguin. Yeah, more or less. Yeah. So like, I kind of like, you know, pulled my shirt down, pulled, you know, my shorts down a little bit and uh, like. Plumber style. Yeah. (laughs) And. uh, Crack is out, but. (laughs) Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, all you got to do is uh, get on the jet bridge and, you know, you've made it right. Yeah, so I guess I did that to his satisfaction, got my boarding pass, waddled onto the plane, and uh, <laughs> got back to where I needed to be, <laughs> lengthwise. <laughs> so you like you say, these are the same thing I wore down, right? The same shorts you were on yeah, the plane Yeah, yeah. So. I mean, and I know, like, you know, I feel like cardinal rule is like, you know, don't, just don't argue it. Um, yeah. You well, know. you're not going to win. You're not going to win. Right, right. Yeah, for sure. I mean, That's and right. also it's like, you know. <laughs> What are you going to do? Tell them they're wrong? Like, it probably wasn't, you know, but it's like, are you going to win with a TSA agent? No. So, yeah, but, you know, at the same time, it's like, I'm in Sao Paulo. My legs are the best thing about me. Like, (laughs) you know, (laughs) at least you didn't have to buy any pink um, sweatpants that said, Sal Paulo on the on the side of them all the way down. Yeah. (laughs) They're juicy on the back. Juicy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad Arlene kind of did away with that. I know. Mr. Holy shirt. Yeah. I put a sweatshirt on, but we, we gotta we we have to display ourselves. But, we got. <laughs> but it was just annoying that, that they had that. So I understand, and I you know, it drives me crazy. But I, it's funny you pull your pants down a little. It's yeah, like, just, just how, well, enough. <laughs> well, how is that going to make it better? But right, yeah, that's the thing. Is just like first and uh, only time I want to say that that's happened. Yeah, but you were know. there a lot of people around? No, at that point, you know, because I was kind of like late in switching over from the O'Hare flight to the Newark flight. I think it was uh, pretty. Uh, only two witnesses. Him he, and me. He just wanted to make a point. Then point made. Well, because you know, I mean, if if no one else is around, like he's just trying to, and he still let you go with just kind of pulling him down. Yeah, it's a point of to be like, just make sure you just. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm definitely grateful that he didn't enforce it like you know too hard to the point to the fat point where I because 
I mean, Sao Paulo's airport. You're not going to find those sweats? Well, getting back into town is kind of a, a tricky one. So if I want to go back in and buy like um, some pants that are going to work, that's, it's no longer a day trip. you got to find some other non-revs who don't know, don't know what they're doing to share an Uber with. Oh, for sure. Or, you know, just like run like a madman through the terminal like, who has pants? Like, <laughs> So when you travel now, do you wear those um, breakaway sweats so you can tear them <laughs> off when you're there and you can put them back on when yeah, you're ready? Yeah, yeah. I, uh... No, because like, here's the thing is like, you know, people, I get hot so easily on, on planes. I feel like it's so much easier to kind of like throw a sweater or blanket on than to kind of like deal with the heat if the, uh, the temperatures turn a little too high. Yeah. So even in February, if I can stand a little bit of discomfort getting back to my place, like to feel pretty comfortable in the terminal and on the plane, like I'll, I'll take that every time. You were wearing shorts in your flip flops in Anchorage. Oh yeah, and everyone noticed. And I said something to Nicole. She said, "Don't bring it up." <laughs> I mean, like, you know, it's interesting. Like, because you know, everybody, everybody dresses for comfort to some degree, yeah. right? But you know, mine is like I overheat so easily that I'm just you know gonna dress it down. You know, if I'm not you know at work or whatever. Okay, real quick, who had the better story, Nicole passing out or Seb no, having to pull his pants down? I'm sorry, Seb. That's a good story, though. <laughs> Oh, for sure. No, Nick's got I'm going to vote for Nicole. Yeah. That's the, funny, uh, the extra strength Tylenol. Or like, what was it? Uh, <laughs> yeah, no. But I like the penguin story. Yeah, penguin. Yeah, being a penguin for a day and for an evening in Brazil was, was fun. But <laughs> would you do that, Monique? Would you tell somebody to do something just to like, watch them stress to get on? You know you're going to let yeah, them on. just to make them just, score. Wouldn't. Just Look to like toy with a non-rev like... Oh, yeah. I mean, that's half the time when we ask them to consolidate. It's like, you know they can consolidate, but they just need to do it. I mean, but would you do it to just, just to mess with them, though? What do you mean to mess with them? Would you, would you question what they're saying, wearing, just to be... Or that kind of thing. Oh, or no, that that's kind not of a thing. fight I want to do. <laughs> the, but if you listen to gate agents in the break room, some of the older generation definitely have an issue with what people wear when they fly. They think people are so trashy. Because when they first started, though, there was dress code. Yes. Yeah. And these kids these days just wear whatever they want. Yeah. The, the suit back in the day. Yeah, it was know? a suit yeah. almost. Uh, it was, yeah. Dresses. Well, uh, my first airline job as a flight attendant, there weren't yet pants. You didn't have that option of pants. There was always skirts. Skirts or a dress? No pants. Unless you were working ramp and then you got the zoot suit. Mm-hmm. This just for women? Or <laughs> this, no, everybody had the same zoot suit. <laughs> Everyone had skirts. Oh, everyone had skirts. Yeah. Oh, everyone. But I think the, I think the way that your guys' airline lays it out is the way to go. I mean, it's just like you're you're looking to blend in to be to be unrecognizable versus a you know regular customer, and I think that that's all you should ask for. Yeah, I think a lot of them are going that way. Like I flew Delta last weekend, yesterday, two days ago, and I wasn't sure, but they were always the one that had stuck to the dress up. So yeah, I dressed up just because I, like, yeah. I knew that's what they had done. I think they may have even relax that a little bit but uh, yeah so you've had a couple of good tips already so far because you told us about zed fairing and okay and i agreed with that and and then this one with the uh, blanket or prepare okay yeah. so do you have another tip or a story quick quick and then yeah we'll um so you know in the aisle versus window debate definitely Ooh. team window um yes. all the way so one thing that i like doing is if you get the opportunity to kind of like pick your window seat, try and pick something that faces away from the sun. You're just going to get that much better of a, view, of a view and not have the sun at 35,000 feet just like blasting your face for however many hours you're in the air. It's like I feel like you also get fewer instances in which, you know, your seatmates are like, "Hey, can you put that down? Push back on that if I can." Uh, you know, I just I feel I feel like there's always something to look at outside the window. You know, like it doesn't matter if you're just taking off or you're like, you know, in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. There's always going to be something, some cargo ship down there or like, you know, another plane that passes like a thousand feet above you. It's always fun when you see something that would be impossible to see on the ground. So might as well set it up, frame it the best way that you can, I would say. So you'll you'll think about where you're going. I'm going to east to west and the sun's going to be on this side. You'll... You'll sit and think that whole thing through. Oh, yeah, for sure. So I grew up in Miami and, uh, you know, went to uh, college in New York. So 
on those early morning flights to go back to school after like Christmas vacation or something like that. Seven o'clock flight out of MIA, sit on the left side of the plane, so, you know, like you're just gonna, you'll enjoy it that much more. Very cool. Well, so I remember when I was working at reservations, I had a gentleman call in and he wanted like a special, like, I think he wanted to be able to see the sunrise or sunset. And like, to me, it sounded like rocket science. I was like, I don't know how yeah. I can figure this out. <laughs> and he was like, there's gotta be a way to figure it out. And I was like, there's not, sir. Like, I just remember like getting in this argument with this gentleman over like, cause he wanted to, I think, see the sunset or he wanted okay. something like that. Yeah. And I was like, that no one can figure that out, sir. <laughs> He's like, I think you couldn't. I was like, well, I don't even know. anyway. So yeah, I, if you're smart enough, go for it. There's a there's a now defunct website that told you what side of the plane your the sun would be on as you were like progressing on your journey. Well, I that's can't cool. Remember, yeah, it was cool. I can't remember the name, but whoever came up with that idea, fantastic. Um, there was one time that Nick and I were flying back from Europe, and her seatmate was. Uh, had specifically requested that that right side window seat to um, have as good a possible view of Greenland as possible. And I I always respect that kind of commitment to the window seat. You know, like, I feel like if you're going to take the window seat, like, utilize that window to the maximum. You know, see as much cool stuff as you can that, you know, is otherwise not 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 available to you. Another cool one would be off of that is the Northern Lights if you got the right side. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And you can yeah. see out the window and see 100%. the Northern Lights going over to Europe. So yeah, someday. Cool. Yeah. That's the only time you'll find the whole crew in the flight deck. We'll all be in the flight deck watching the Northern Lights. That sounds fun. Yeah. Yeah. Just right ringing that call button. <laughs> <laughs> very cool. So do you think those planes, like the right side just fills up very first? Like all Fs are filled? Or right, or if right, people or, know. If they knew, yeah. Yeah, so my answer to that would be no. Yeah, there's, no one I is, just, you know, I. When you get people like me at the gate, they're like, there's no way to know which way they're going to be because we yeah. don't know. Well, yeah, yeah right. The Great Circle Mapper website, I use it all the time to kind of figure out, like, all right, what are you going to be looking at and kind of try and angle towards a seat accordingly. Because obviously, like, non revving most of the time, you know, you kind of have Take to go with get. what you get. Yeah, yeah, yeah for yeah, sure. So. And, you know, like, and I understand that, I respect that to the extreme. But at the same time, you know, like, I feel like if, if there's something that you want, advocate for it as well. And I mean, if that means, you know, like going to the gate and asking politely if seat 8A is still available, like, I mean, I'll, I'll 100% do that. I know that that might be a controversial No, I take, think if you bring a gift but, and say, hey, is 8A still available? Yeah, yeah. Oh, and here's a box of chocolates I have for you. See, there we go. And then you bring um, another one in your backpack because if it doesn't work at the gate, you can always ask the flight attendant. Oh, I see 8A is available. Do you think I could have that? See, chocolate, the mm-hmm. great equalizer of aviation. <laughs> That's perfect. Well, thank you for being our guest and supporting our show. Yeah, for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. My pleasure. No, I'm glad that Nick introduced me to you guys. It's a, it's a great one. Yeah, and we're excited to be here. And I think you're hosting us in your home. Yeah. Oh, no. Our, yeah, anytime. Yeah. Anytime. Yeah, well, anytime you get <laughs> waylaid at O'Hara, you don't have to uh, spend the night there. Well, thanks again, and uh, see you next week. It's been fun. All right, bye. If you slip and say your airline's name. That's uh, my biggest worry. Yeah, no, no, no worries. Worry. I'll cut all that out. So. <laughs> no, no worries. Yeah, no worries. Um, we'll just change it to spirit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, if I could choose my accidental airline, Cape Air. <laughs>